last time we talked about um, God's call to the children of Israel to be obedient so he could bless them. And that comes out many different ways throughout the, the Old Testament, through Moses' lifetime as they're in the wilderness. But we've been dealing with the book of Deuteronomy where Moses is recapping the laws of, of um, the Ten Commandments and all the stuff with the Ten Commandments, the laws that would keep them healthy, keep them in good relationship with God, good relationship with each other, protect them from their enemies, and so on. And so we, we dealt with all that. And so you need to um, listen now as we launch into what the Lord is saying applies to us in this side of the cross. So Moses' prophetic word for the future was simply something like this. He says in Deuteronomy 18, he says in Deuteronomy 18, um, in verse 18 and 19, the Lord said to Moses, and Moses is saying to the people, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, that's the one he's raising up, and he will tell them everything I command him. Then he warns them, if anyone does not listen to my words, that prophet who speaks in my name, I myself will call him to an account. And so the Lord is saying to Moses, you tell them, all this stuff that you've laid down for them, there's actually somebody coming that will replace all the laws of the Old Testament as far as living laws and relationship laws. And I'm going to send you a prophet and Moses is going to look something like you and he's going to lay down a whole new covenant. Now I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he was sent to do. And so this prophet that God said to Moses is coming came about 2,000 years ago. Now this is what I want to say about him. Jesus himself said a few times, the, the prophet that Moses talked about, I am the one. When Peter in Acts chapter 3, when they had been arrested, for healing the man at the temple. He said to them there that what Moses talked about, that prophet that I'm preaching about, he is the one Moses talked about. He is Jesus. Later on a couple of times, they talk about this prophet. Paul or someone else talks about this prophet that Moses talked about. But you see, Peter, James, and John were taken by Jesus up onto the mountain one time. And it's called the Mountain of Transfiguration by many of us. That's not what's called in the Bible. But that's where Jesus was transfigured. And his clothes became so bright, you could hardly look at them, so white. But beside him was Moses and Elijah, those two heavy-duty guys from the Old Testament. Moses whose body had to be hidden when he died so people wouldn't bear it, dig it up and worship him. Elijah, 
who was so powerful in the spirit, God took him home in a chariot when he was never buried, never died. These two men were there, and yet God said to these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, he says it, Matthew quotes it, Mark quotes it, Luke quotes it. I'm taking it from Matthew 7, 14, but it doesn't matter. They all say it the same way. God said, this is my son. Listen to him. He didn't say, oh yeah, here's Moses. Uh, listen to Moses and listen to Jesus. Or listen to Jesus and listen to Elijah. He never said that. He said, this is my son, and we know Jesus was his son. You listen to him. Because Moses' law was finished. And it's so sad today when we, when we hear of Christians being caught up in all religious activity that the Hebrews did way back before Jesus crossed. They get involved in this religious activity, start going back into the law, doing religious things to try to look more spiritual, to try to please God. But Paul said in Galatians, when you do that, you're cursing yourself and that curse will come on you to the next generation, the next generation. That means it's going to get worse unless you turn away from the Lord. Turn away from your sin, pardon me, and come to the Lord. And so it's important that we realize the New Testament has to do with the laws that Jesus laid down. It has nothing to do with what Moses laid down as far as survival, the, the butchering of cattle for sacrifice, the washing of hands, all that stuff he laid out, nothing to do with it. All that stuff to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the New Testament, all that stuff became ritual, religious rituals. It's as if if we do those, we're really righteous. It was a righteousness of the law, but that righteousness will not get you into heaven. Paul makes that very clear. Yes, they were doing the right thing according. But once the cross happened, there was a new covenant that was introduced and the old covenant was finished. It says in Hebrews, it says that it's only a shadow now of the real things. It said it was, it was outdated. It was gone because there was a new covenant and that's what we're dealing with. So now we have Jesus and Jesus said, Obey me. So let's look at the New Testament commandments, the one that replaced Moses' commandments and the Old Testament. Jesus actually took the Ten Commandments. He didn't take all the other rituals and all the other stuff they're supposed to do, washing hands, how to sacrifice cattle. But he took nine of the Ten Commandments. He left out the one about the Sabbath. I have my opinion, I'll try to cover that in a second. But he took nine of those and, and brought them into two covenants. And you see, as I walk in obedience to those new covenants, we're going to see what he says about it. So let's go ahead here. Luke 10, in, jo in Luke 10, verse 25, Praise the Lord, Luke is still in the New Testament. Luke 10, 25. And you see, he says in verse 25, there's a guy, he was an expert in the law. Some of the other books called him the rich young rulers, doesn't matter. Um, he says, 
He said to Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, here's a guy, he's an expert in the law, and he may have expected Jesus said, Well, you've got to do everything Moses told you to do. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, Here are the commandments. Here they are. Put me first in your life. Prefer others above yourself, which is how you love your neighbors yourself. So I'm going to deal with those things because we need to recognize that um, these are the laws that Jesus set down. I've already made it clear to you. We're not under Moses' law. We respect and honor him. He was a great man of God chosen by God and did a super job in leading them through the wilderness, leading them out, leading them through. But you see, God said, and he quoted it, almost delighted to do so, there's somebody coming after me. So let's look at them. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said this in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, um, when the guy asked, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. What was it in? Took the first three of the Ten Commandments, grouped it into one, and said, if you want eternal life, that's the first thing you do. He said in verse 38, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Jesus is saying it's worth, it's greater than all the stuff that Moses laid out. It's greater. It's the first and the greatest. And then he said, there's a second one. And this is where he took number five right through to ten. Those last six ones. And the second one is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Oh, that's an interesting statement. Where are these Christians that are saying we have to adapt some of the Old Testament law? Where are these Christians that don't read this verse? All the law and the prophets now are there on this two commandments. You see, when Paul said to the Hebrews, in, in chapter 8, of Hebrews, verse 13, by calling the covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. So Moses' law was obsolete. Somebody needs to underline that. Somebody needs to put a plaque on the wall and say, we don't have to speak Hebrew. We don't have to use Hebrew terms. We don't have to do their stuff because all that stuff is obsolete. We have a new covenant. Jesus is the mediator of that new covenant. Moses gave the first one. Actually, Abraham got the first one. Moses laid out the conditions. Jesus is the author of the second one. When he died on the cross, he did away with the old, and he introduced the new. That's as clear in Scripture as you can get. And so when he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two, I need to say to myself, just a minute, that means there's two basic commandments. Now, I have to realize there's places I read in the New Testament 
where Paul is saying, now treat your brothers with respect. And all. Well, these are laws that help us understand these two. They relate to that. I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. Now, Mark 12 and Luke 10, both those writers say the same thing that Matthew's saying here. So to them it was important. It was recorded three times. So let's look at the first one, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. I'm going to use um, that, that particular one, twenty-two thirty-seven. All right. So Jesus replied. He's talking now about the the new commandment, the first commandment. He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." Now, how do you do that? Well, I have to just give you some some indication as to what should be happening. I don't, I don't want to make more laws based on this law, but here are some ideas that you need to ponder. Number one, the fear of the Lord, which I've taught on, which should be in the archives if you look for the fear of the Lord. We need to have a deep reverence and awe of God. We need the people that worship properly. And I, I talk about worship in the fear of the Lord. You need to hear it. I talk about worship other times as well. You need to hear it. We need, there needs to be a reverence and an awe. The word reverence is translated by the old King James as fear. And many of the newer translations stick to that um, terminology. The second thing we need to do is begin to read the New Testament. How I long that Christians would read, especially the Gospels. After years of counseling with people, we begin to realize the people have sat in churches for years, many of them even joke of Pentecostal churches. They don't know Jesus because they haven't read enough about it. All they know is um, he looks for the lost sheep or, or, he, or he raised the dead. They don't understand Jesus. I'm talking about his character. We don't understand it because we haven't read, we haven't studied the New Testament. I say to new Christians, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it 50 times. Get to know Jesus, because if you don't know Jesus, the rest of the Bible is just a bunch of, of information that won't affect you, won't change you. Get to know Jesus. The book of Acts tells you what the disciples did with the teaching of Jesus. But those first four books are so important to us. And so we now have a situation where Jesus said, put me first in your life, put the Father first in your life. And so this is what I recommend people do. As often as you can remember, whether it be in your prayers in the morning or whether it be at your, when you're thanking the Lord for your breakfast, your lunch, just say to him, Lord, I want to put you first in my life today. I want to please you in everything I do. Do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit says, I heard that. And that's what that person wants. So therefore, I'm going to make it possible. I'm going to help. I'm going to work with them to make that possible. And our love for the Lord will start to increase as they say, Lord, I want to please you. I want, I want my heart to be full of love for you. I want to put you first in my life. I want to love you more than anything else. The Holy Spirit says, I hear that. That's what we'll do. You see, back in Numbers 14, 28, 
This is a wonderful verse. I love it. It's used in a negative context back then, but it is also true positively. God says to Moses, you go tell the children of Israel, I've heard what you've said, and that's what I'll do to you. Number 1428. That's what I've heard you say. That's what I'll do for you. So we need to say it. So if I'm saying, Lord, I want to put you first. I want you to be my first love. Holy Spirit says, I heard that. And that's what we'll do. Listen, it's not easy to love somebody you've never seen. But you see, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I see Jesus at least in print. And he can start to show me. He can actually start to show me like he wants revelation. He wants visions to be part of our life and to actually have an understanding like a revelation. We see Jesus loving on people. It says almost many times when he went to pray for somebody, da casto demon. Do you know what it says? And Jesus had compassion on them. As I learned that, I said, Lord, I want that compassion. I got to know Jesus. I want to be like him. I like what I see in these four books. I want to be like him. Lord, give me a compassion. He had compassion. And the Father says in Ephesians, he is changing me to be like his son, Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't you realize if you love him more than anything else, you'll hate sin? Let me enlarge on that. A good marriage is like this. There's the husband, there's the wife. Jesus often refers, the father even refers himself as the husband, and we, his people, are his wife. <clears throat> I don't know of any marriage that's good, that's healthy where the husband has laid down a whole bunch of rules and regulations about what his wife can do and can't do. You can't do this, you have to do this, you can't, you can't, can't, can't. I'll tell you a story that I heard a number of years ago. This wife, was she was married to a guy that was very strict, and every morning before he went to work, he gave her a list of everything that she had to do that day and to be sure he, she had it done before he got home and by the time he got home to have his supper ready so he could relax. Every day she went through this toil of obeying and mark, marking off the things she'd done to make sure she had everything because she, she feared him in the wrong way. She, it wasn't reverence. It was a fear that she had of his reaction. One day the guy dies and she's free from her law. She's free now. She doesn't have to do what he demands. She said, I'm never going to marry again. Never. Some of you out there have said that. I'm never going to love again, never going to marry again. But you see, one day, broad shoulders comes along, sitting on a white horse, and she falls for him. It's very kind and gentle. So they eventually get married. And she just loves this guy. And she goes at it, and she cleans out. She cooks meals. She washes the clothes. She does everything because she loves this guy so much. And one day she pulls out the couch just to clean behind it, and there's a piece of paper there, and she picks it up. She looks at it, and this fear gripped her. It's one of the old lists from her old husband, the one that died. And then she starts to realize, I'm doing all those things. 
But it's a delight. Do you know the difference? She loves the guy that she's married to now, and it's a delight. She wouldn't, all the things she's not supposed to do on that list, she doesn't do them. But there is no list now anymore. She doesn't do them because of love. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, and mind. And you will say no to anything that would separate you from his love. You'll say no. That's why in Hebrews, I'm going to show you this scripture in a minute. It says in Hebrews that the law is written on our hearts. And I never understood that until I understood the principle that God loves us and we can love him so much. We are careful to make sure we don't do anything that would damage our relationship. That's where the joy of life is. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, the Bible says. And when I'm in tune with God, that's where my joy is. I don't need alcohol. I don't need drugs. I don't need anything to change my character by chemical compounds or anything. I don't need that because my heart is full of joy and my life is full because I know the one whom I married to, the Savior Jesus Christ, my Lord, in the name of Jesus, so beautiful. So listen, folks. This first commandment can change your life if you say to this first commandment, I'm going to start crying out to God for love, to please him, to put him first. And do you know what God's going to say? Because of what you've just said, it will be well with you. There's too many people in the Christian church are not experiencing it will be well with you. The second commandment, has to do with your neighbor. Love your neighbors yourself. Now, it has to do with putting others above ourselves. Now, our whole culture has turned this around, and we pass laws to say you have a right to have your way, to have everything you want. You have a right to have it. And people are going to court suing somebody else because they didn't get what they wanted or somebody said something they didn't like and they hurt their feelings and were become so touchy. That law has given us permission to be touchy, to look on everybody as kind of a potential enemy. And you see, we're in a place where we don't prefer others. We're putting ourselves first. We've broken the second commandment. And when you've broken the second commandment, you've also broken the first commandment because you've been disobeyed. You've been disobedient to the Lord's commandment. So there's only two commandments. You've broken twice of them. You've broke both of them, I should say. No wonder it is not well with us in this nation. No wonder there's so much sickness and disease, venereal disease and, and rheumatoid arthritis. You see, venereal disease comes because we disobey the Lord's command to have a celibacy before marriage and faithfulness in marriage. If we did that, there'd be no venereal disease, no AIDS. But you see, we violated that. And you see, we want our rights, and so we violated another person's freedom because we demanded our rights. We've done everything to try to say we are going to, to, to turn against the laws of God and we're going to make laws that totally counteract them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the last days, 
we'll be calling those things that are right, we'll call them wrong, and those things that are wrong, we'll be calling them right. We despise the one who blessed us. We despise the one who gave us breath to breathe, gave us water to drink. You understand, we wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for God who ordered the earth something like 6,000 years ago, to, the earth to give up the plants that provide oxygen, the plants that provide food for us and cattle and chickens and everything. We've, dis, we've turned against him and we defy him openly now. It will not be well with us unless we turn around and come back to God. I'm speaking to any nation that's listening to this. It will not be well. There's no other solution to our poverty, our sickness, our disease, the murders, the crime. There's no other solution except to turn back to the Lord so he in turn can bless us. In other words, make it well with us. Are you ready for some scripture? I haven't got time to read all of this. I'm going to give you two scriptures. There's many more, but I'll give you two from Romans. Romans 12, verses 8 to 21. I'm going to read some of that. I won't have time to read all because Romans 13, verses 7 to 10, also has some very important lessons for us. Let's read Romans 12 and see how the time goes for us. We'll start at verse 8. He's talking about people have different gifts that we can give up in verse 6. By grace we have those, so we're, by, if we receive gifts by grace, we're supposed to give gifts without cost. So verse 8 says, if it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leading in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do so cheerfully. Understand, he's trying to explain what that second commandment is about. Let love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devoted's a powerful word. Honor one another above, your, above yourself. That's nothing to do with equal rights. Honor above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's talking about serving the Lord, not going out and doing great miracles. He's talking about serving the Lord by preferring others above yourself. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I've got to stop there. Romans 8. Pardon me, 12, 8 to 21, and Romans 13, 7 to 10. You can read them. You have a Bible. Father, oh, Lord God, our hearts are heavy for our nations. Our hearts are burdened, Lord God, for a people have turned away from you. I call on you, Lord God. Begin to work in the hearts of people. Bring us back to God, Lord God. This nation is your nation, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. Our forefathers said, 
that from sea to sea, this is your dominion, Lord. And we claim that in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I haven't got a scripture to back this up, but after the cross, because of what Jesus did at the cross, plus being raised from the dead, God now sees that as more important than his creation because it saves us from our sin. His creation doesn't save us from our sin, but Jesus' resurrection did. And so therefore, we observe the day he rose from the grave, which is Sunday. And all through the New Testament, there's no mention of them. They went into the synagogues to teach on the Sabbath, but it didn't say they observed it. And they didn't say they honored it. They met on the first day of the week. And our writer, early church writings confirm that. That's not, there's a lot of writings beyond this, you know, the second generation prophet, apostles wrote. And so that's why the church in general observes Sunday as the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Therefore, it's our holy day. I still respect the fact that God created. I still honor him. But something, as a matter of fact, Hebrew says this about four or five times, something better is here. He's talking about Jesus. please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.